Well, good morning. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. To all of our Greek-speaking friends, or maybe you would have heard it like this in the first century, Christos Anesti, Alithos Anesti. And to all of our little, little friends, I want to say Happy Easter, everybody. Uh, one of the best parts of a terrible situation like the one we're going through is the humor. Have you noticed how much great humor uh, you're receiving throughout the week? Uh, I granted some of it's dad humor. Uh, it's a little bit marginal, a little lame. But in these situations that we're in, uh, being sequestered in quarantine, everything is more funny, right? Uh, here's a couple from last week that I thought were pretty funny. I saw a neighbor talking to her cat. It was obvious she thought her cat understood her. I went back to my house, told my dog all about it, and we were cracking up. <clears throat> uh, how about this one? <clears throat> Still haven't decided where to go for Easter. Living room, bedroom. Well, I hope you are, you are comfortable wherever you are this morning. Whatever you're wearing, uh, whatever you're doing, I hope you're comfortable. I hope you're surrounded by people you love, uh, and if not, people who you at least like. And uh, uh, if you're on your own, I hope you're going to get to feel like you're connected to the body of Christ this morning as we gather here together to worship. Uh, can you believe we're celebrating Easter in the midst of a pandemic? Uh, we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're celebrating Easter. Uh, does that seem kind of odd to you? Uh, we don't need overflow rooms today. Everybody's comfortable sitting wherever they want to sit uh, in the comfort of their own domicile. Uh, it does seem a little weird, doesn't it? But actually, you know what? It makes perfect sense. Why? Because Christ came into the world to deal with the world's deadliest pandemic. God in Christ came into the world. God in Jesus came into the world to deal with the ongoing, uh, perennial, perpetual pandemic that defines human existence, sin. Sin is a 100% morbidity event. Uh, it's well documented. Uh, here's the diagnosis. Romans 3.23 says it this way, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, Romans 6.23 says it this way, The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15.21 says it this way, since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. As in Adam, all die, so in Christ, all will be made alive. That's the biblical diagnosis of our pandemic, our perpetual, per, uh, perennial uh, pandemic. And it's into this world that God came uh, to seek and to save the lost. Now, let me say it this way. Uh, we all know we can improve our attitudes and behaviors if you work on it. <clears throat> uh, maybe you're sitting here listening to this saying, well, you know, actually, uh, I don't feel so lost. I feel pretty good. Uh, my life is, is pretty together. Uh, I can change my attitudes and I can change my behaviors. Absolutely. And in Christ, that's part of our discipleship is to learn how to grow into better attitudes and into uh, better behaviors. But here's the problem. Only God's personal in intervention can move us from death to life. Uh, this is the sticking point of this pandemic. Only God's personal intervention in Jesus, can move us from death to life. Let that sink in. Nobody can make themselves alive once they're dead. and We are dead in our sin, according to what Scripture tells us. And we can document that as we go through life. We see that this nagging feeling 
uh, pervades our thoughts and our experiences that, gosh, it just could be better. I could be better. People could be better. The world could be better. Why are we even going through this pandemic called the coronavirus? And so Easter is God's historic and specific and personal life-giving, uh, life-changing, life-saving solution. And therefore, we celebrate Jesus, God in the flesh, who came to do what none of us could do for ourselves. God himself, perfect in every way, giving himself sacrificially for those who are not perfect and need it in every way. That's us. So what could be better right now than recognizing our need for a Savior? Uh, what could be better right now than remembering uh, that we have a Savior? Uh, maybe, let me put it this way. We're all in ICU, but we pretend that we're not. Uh, we pretend that we're not in ICU. We call it life. In fact, we, we've found ways to dress up this ICU that we're in. We have a bigger room. We have a nicer bed. We have a more beautiful ventilator. We have better uh, 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 staff. We have really good-looking staff uh, with, with uh, great credentials. Uh, everything is just top-notch uh, in our version of our ICU, or at least that's our goal. I want a better version of this life that I have. Uh, but it, it, it's, it doesn't carry the day. It still leaves us short. It still leaves us in our sin, in death. We're all in this ICU. And, and let me tell you uh, how God sees it. God says, I see you. I see you. I see you as you are. I see you where you are. I see who you are. And you know what? In spite of that, I love you this much. I love you this much. You know what I like about you? God says, everything. Your sin grieves me. It grieves me because it affects you. It hurts you. Ultimately, it destroys you. And that's why I've come into the world, because I see you and I care about you. But we pretend we don't need his strong medicine. Uh, we prefer oftentimes a placebo called pride. I, I think I can do fine on my own. It'd be kind of embarrassing to admit I need a savior. Who is anybody to tell me that I'm a sinner? I'm doing pretty well. I'm better than them. I'm better than them. Them, not so much, but I'm, I'm catching up, getting very close. But in a pandemic, nobody wants a placebo, right? In a pandemic, everybody wants a panacea. What is a panacea? It's a universal cure. Everyone who takes it is healed. That's what a panacea is. A placebo isn't. A placebo has no therapeutic effect. It's a form of medicine with no power. Why prefer a placebo when we can have the panacea, the full cure? So Easter isn't a placebo. It's not a feel-good message about human potential. That'd be sort of a dismal message. That if we gather together to say, this is a great day, let's celebrate our human potential. In every way, every day, we're getting better and better. It'd be sort of a dismal celebration because we'd all walk out saying, you know what, nothing has changed. So Easter isn't a placebo, a feel-good message about human potential. It's an incredibly good news message about God's provision, about God's presence, about God's power in our lives as we open ourselves to him and receive his grace, his love, the gift of his salvation. So it's the promise and power of God fulfilled in Jesus Christ to save the world, a world that needs saving. On the cross, he embodied the bitter cure. He took on himself the sins of the world. 
And Easter then is a sweet celebration of that. The horrible, horrible reality of Friday gives way to the incredibly unbelievable but true reality of Sunday, Easter Sunday. Uh, for those of you who were on the, on the uh, live chat this week, we talked about God's love on Thursday, about Maundy Thursday. I love one another as I have loved you. Uh, therefore, all people will know you're my disciples if you love one another as I have loved you. He's our model. On Good Friday, we talked about and, 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 and walked through the passages describing his incredible gift in his sacrifice on our behalf. So he's more than a model for us, an example to imitate. He is a savior who puts a new life in us, a new heart in us, a new way of seeing and thinking about life in us. So let's get personal. Let's get personal. I, I know this is kind of a cheeky question, but are you Easter positive or are you Easter negative? Now this could be an awkward question if you're asking somebody about coronavirus. If everybody you saw, you said, listen, are you positive or negative? They might say, well, I haven't had a test. And you might say, from the symptoms I'm observing, I think, hmm, you're corona positive. Are you Easter positive or are you Easter negative? Are you showing symptoms of God's presence in your life? Uh, you know, uh, the common symptoms, uh, confession, repentance, forgiveness, uh, the common symptoms of a person who is Easter positive, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Uh, these are the signs, these are the telltale symptoms of people who are Easter positive. Uh, I want to read you a scripture. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to his protege, Timothy, a pastor in Ephesus. Uh, we, we know it as modern-day Turkey, uh, but uh, Paul is writing to Timothy. He's up against big challenges. And what he wants to do is to ground his counsel, his comfort, his encouragement to Timothy, and, and, and to ground Timothy's responses to his circumstances in the power of the resurrection. So rather than give you a case for the resurrection this morning, uh, you can read uh, Basic Christianity by John Stott. Uh, you can read The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. That will give you a really excellent description of the resurrection, the historicity, the credibility of the resurrection. What I want to do is give you a practical, powerful example of the resurrection at work. And this is Paul speaking to Timothy. He says, for the Spirit of God, excuse me, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed. I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day, that day when he brings it all together. What you heard from me 
keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Uh, that's an operational description of Easter, the resurrection power of Christ in everyday living. I want to break that down for you. Here's, here's three things the gospel tells us about being Easter positive out of this passage, this operational text about living in the power of Jesus' resurrection. First of all, it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The first thing to understand is that all of a sudden, the power and love and discipline of God is made available to us, made real to us. It's no longer us striving and trying. It's Him training us to live into what He alone can give us and have the fullest effect in us. And so the passage that we read a moment ago, I'll read it again, verses 7 to 9 in 2 Timothy 1. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. So through his Holy Spirit, God's power, love, and discipline is at work in us. It's not just us trying to get it. It's him giving it to us and us, in a sense, training to receive it. It's okay to try. It's okay to make effort. But it's an effort to receive what he's building into us through the, the good and the difficult circumstances of life. God will use this situation you're in, this quarantine, stay-at-home state, to do some beautiful things in you. They might not be beautiful as you're going through the lessons, but the outcome is incredibly beautiful and practical. It's so provocatively good you, you're willing to go through uh, the process to receive it. This is what it means to have the power, love, and self-discipline of God. And so we're privileged to receive it. We're privileged to embrace it. We're, we're privileged to apply it creatively in anything we do. We say, hey, I wonder where this power of God would look like here. What would it be like here in this situation? Normally I would do this. I wonder if I applied God's power here. I wonder if, if God's love would be a better solution than what I've been doing in this situation. I wonder if discipline would be not so much a punitive experience of feeling like I'm being punished, but discipline would be developing inner strength because I keep coming back to these lessons that I'm learning from the Lord. And I find that I'm making progress and becoming a different person as a result. And so I can admit I'm powerless. I, I can admit I'm unloving. I can admit I'm undisciplined. Why? Because I can now grow in Christ. I can grow in Christ as I say, Lord, I want to become stronger in you. I want to become more loving in you. I want to become more disciplined and aligned with my purpose in you. And so I can face any challenge with confidence now. I, I might not prevail, but I can try. In fact, my suffering and my failure does not invalidate the gospel. It confirms my need for the gospel. You see how that works? You might be saying, well, I'm flailing around, and I've been following Jesus for a very long time. I, I know the Bible backwards and forwards. I have a very orthodox theology, and yet I'm still struggling with things in life. It's sort of embarrassing to be me. I think I would have gotten it together by now. Don't let that be embarrassing to you or frustrating to you. Just realize as you walk with him, he's taking you deeper and deeper into understanding the old habits and patterns that have shaped you. You can stop blaming everybody else, projecting on everybody else, scapegoating your issues on everybody else. You can accept them and say, Lord, this is I know where you want to meet me right now. Back then it was there. At this point in my life, it's here. And so I submit myself to you and your good purposes for me. 
Because, Lord, I remember you see me and you love me this much. And so the second point then, if if the first is that he gives us power, love, and self-discipline, the second is this, God's grace changes everything by giving us a larger perspective. A larger perspective. A bigger frame of reference. A larger context for the life we're living and the circumstances of that life that we're experiencing. So the scripture, verses 9 to 10 Uh, Paul says this to Timothy, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. That's a pretty big perspective. Before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed in time through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. A life beyond life, a life within this life is better than the life that we have become accustomed to. A God-quality life that can only be ours in the power of God, in the presence of God, through what he's accomplished on the cross and the resurrection in Jesus Christ. This was not a late-stage thought for God. This was not some like, okay, let's try this. From, From the beginning, God's grace has been available to us. And whatever it takes for him to deliver that grace to us, he will do and he has done. So something once hidden is now made available to us in Christ. We have choices to make, and they matter immensely. Do I respond or do I resist? Perhaps the initial response and resist is, do I believe in him or not? Do I accept him or not? Do I submit my life to him or not? Or will I keep resisting him? But now, as a believer, you still have to deal with that question on a daily basis. How will I respond to the Lord in this day? If this is the day that the Lord has made, how will I rejoice and be glad in it? How will I stop resisting him as I find myself in situations that I don't like and I'm, un- I'm uncomfortable with? I don't feel powerful or in control. It seems like other people are making decisions for me or making life difficult for me. That's another point where you say, okay, Lord, I need a larger perspective. I need your perspective on this. I need to make choices because they matter immensely and I want to respond to you, not resist you. All along this, this journey in life with you. And so we can ignore his grace or we can embrace his grace. We, we ignore it when we allow fear and pride to dominate our decisions and our behavior. We embrace his grace and we recognize, Lord, I, I'm very afraid right now. i got some big feelings. Where do you want to meet me in the, in, in, in the context of these feelings and this sense of resistance that I have? I'm, it's a step I'm afraid to take. My pride says I don't really want to have to admit I need this. I feel like by now, age and stage, I should be beyond what I feel like I'm supposed to do in terms of confessing, repenting, aligning with you, learning some things. This is a a very challenging thing, especially in a community where people are very accomplished with sterling resumes, wonderful education experiences that support whatever they do professionally, life experiences that would say, wow, you're a person who really knows what's going on. It's hard when we realize I still, every step of the way, every single day, need to say, Lord, what is it you want to teach me today? What do you want me to learn? And so the grandfather with the grandchild says, there's so much to learn. I can't wait to help you learn it. Or the grandchild says to the grandmother, I thought once you got to be older, these weren't problems anymore. Oh, no, honey, these are problems. I just have learned to deal with these problems from the time I was your age to now. 
This is the beautiful message, the powerful message, the compelling message that Easter allows us to proclaim and teach and demonstrate to one another, as Paul is doing this with Timothy. So he, Jesus is inviting us to be his friend. He's restoring us and reconciling us to a relationship with him and through uh, him with one another. He's raising us from the dead, making us new creations in Christ. We still see our scars, uh, but they have a different story to tell now. They tell the story of that's what I did or that's what I went through, but here's where God met me. And so those scars remind me that he is with me. Just as his hands are scarred, his feet are scarred, his side is scarred with his wounds. I can see the wounds of life in me, but I know that he is with me in my wounds. He's healing me. They have a different story to tell. They tell a story of grace now. I'm a new version of me. And so the third point, if the first is that we have power, love, and self-discipline, if the second is that we have a larger perspective in Christ through his grace. The third point is this. We have clarity, confidence, and a commission from Jesus Christ. We have clarity, we have confidence, and we have a commission from Jesus Christ. Uh, again, uh, taking Paul's words to Timothy, verses 11 to 14. We have clarity. He says, I know whom I have believed. We have confidence. He says, I am convinced that he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day, that day of completion, when I, I die and go to be with him, when he returns in glory. Who knows which one will happen first? We should always be ready for the Lord to return, but we should not uh, sit at home waiting for him to return. We live in expectancy, fully leaning into uh, our lives along the way. I know whom I have believed. I'm convinced he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day, whenever it comes. And I have a commission. We have a commission. Paul says, what you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching. Keep this going. With faith and love in Christ Jesus, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Something precious has been entrusted to you. Don't squander it. Don't lose it. Don't set it aside and say, oh my gosh, I can't remember where I put it. Don't forget that you had it and realize, oh, I needed it. I didn't know I even had this. Years ago, when we moved from Newport Beach to, to La Jolla, California, we put all of our stuff in storage while we lived temporarily in a, in a small place uh, and, and looked for the house we were going to live in. <clears throat> Several months went by, and so by the time we moved into our house where we live now, we started pulling stuff out of storage. It was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know we had that. I didn't know we had that. I had no idea we had that. Don't forget what you have in Christ. Guard that good thing that he's entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And so we joyously proclaim, proclaim that Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. This is not wishful thinking. This is a purposeful declaration of reality. It's our fixed point on the horizon by which we navigate our course in life. Christ is risen Hey, this is a horrible situation. Yes, I know, but Christ is risen, so somewhere in here is a solution. <clears throat> somewhere in here is a, is a pathway through this good thing or this bad thing confronting us. He lives, and you and I can live in him. He lives. His life allows us to live ours in a relationship with him and with one another. His sacrifice empowers us to make ours. His victory allows us to claim ours. We have a victory in Christ as we die with him, so to speak, we live with him. We're raised with him. His word informs ours. His love shapes ours. His mission is the context and the content for our mission in life. No matter what you do, the standard for what you do is his mission. 
to the world, but also in you and through you. He wants to do a work in you and a work through you. So his mission is the content and the context for yours, no matter what you do, no matter what age or stage you are in life. So the best way to guard the gospel is living it and giving it generously. Living it lavishly. Okay, Lord, you're giving me all this grace and love, all these great things, fruit of the Spirit. What should that look like? What could that look like? In, in good circumstances or bad? What's the best way to guard the gospel? It's living it, putting your weight on it, testing it, seeing the range of motion that it allows us, and using everything he's entrusted to us. For what purpose? To bless others and honor him. So we guard the gospel by living it and giving it generously. The world needs a fresh outbreak of Easter positive people, doesn't it? The world needs a fresh outbreak of Easter positive people. Right now we're trying to flatten the curve on the coronavirus. Do you know that our culture and our world is every day trying to flatten the curve of being Easter positive? Tamp it down, find, find a vaccine for it, get rid of it. It keeps popping up. It keeps spiking in different places, in different people, at different times. That's the whole point. We want to see a spike in Easter positive people. We want to see more and more people become blessed with this viral love and grace and power and salvation that Christ alone provides for us. Easter positive people are the people that God is using to change the world. To give hope to the world, to reflect his glory in the world. Are you one of them? I hope you are. If you've received him as your Lord and Savior, you are. If you've been born again by the Spirit of God, simply by saying, Lord, I accept this. I believe this. I don't know much about it. I have doubts still. But yes, come into my life. I want to know what it means to walk with you and to live with you. I get that I'm in an ICU and that you see me and that you are the great physician and that you love me this much. You are one of those people if you are in Christ, and nothing and no one can separate you from him if you're in him. I want to leave you with this uh, thought from uh, Paul, again, writing to a little town in uh, ancient, an ancient world nowadays, uh, we call it Turkey, uh, to the people in Colossae. He says this, God has chosen to make known the glorious riches of this mystery, Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not of your glory, but the glory of what God has done in Jesus Christ is revealed in ordinary people like you and me. God has chosen to make known the glorious riches of what he's done through people like you and me. Christ in us is a demonstration of the efficacy of God's glory revealed in Christ. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This is where the gospel of Jesus Christ, anchored in Easter through the power of his resurrection, takes us. This is the real life, real world application and experience of people who have received the cure. We're experiencing the healing of the presence of God in every culture, 
at every age and stage in life. There's no barriers to this. He's broken them down. He's built the bridges necessary. In Christ, we have a bridge to this life. So Christ is risen. Believe in him. Belong to him. Be strong in him. And so, Lord Jesus, that's our prayer on this day as we celebrate your resurrection from the dead. As we celebrate our resurrection from the dead, the promise of life now and forever that you have given us. We pray that, Lord, as we are Easter-positive people, uh, we would be a blessing to all those we encounter, that we could build bridges of power and love and self-discipline over which cross love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that we would reflect your goodness and your, your glory at all times and in all ways. And when we don't, Lord, we'd recognize it. We'd repent and confess and receive the forgiveness that is ours in you. We pray all this in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Well, listen, if you have lots of questions, uh, I want to be able to uh, have a conversation with you this week. So we're going to be doing a live chat. I believe it's on Wednesday from 4.30 to 5. Uh, you'll see an announcement if you're on our uh, mailing list, email list. Uh, <clears throat> if not, you can go on our website and get the information. Very simple. It's a Zoom call, no cost. Very simple to connect. And we'll simply have a conversation about what, what are your questions? What are you thinking? And we'll do our best to have a discussion about that and answer any questions we can. And uh, I'm sure from the collective wisdom on that call, uh, no question will go unanswered. Um, and uh, we'd appreciate you to be a part of that, that, uh, that call. Uh, I'm going to give you a benediction, a blessing, and we're going to have some beautiful music. Uh, and then you're going to see a really fun uh, short video of people talking about what Easter means to them. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon us all, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
end is written Jesus Christ my living hope who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my Jesus Christ, my living hope. 
this destiny we have to an everlasting life. And what I would say is brilliant golden rays of unconditional love and salvation. And all I can say is thank you, Jesus. Easter means to me forgiveness, salvation, hope, and resurrection. To me, Christ's uh, resurrection means that um, I no longer live under the effects of my sin, but I live under the effects of Jesus' grace. And to me, it means that my sins are forgiven and I get to live in eternity with Christ. What does Jesus' resurrection mean to me personally? It means that I am forgiven always, that Jesus died for my sins, and then better than that, that he will never leave me, he will always be with me. Jesus' resurrection means hope in this world. Jesus conquered death. Forgiveness of our sins. It's God's love in action. Promise of eternal life. I am forgiven. I am loved. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, everybody. To our family, Easter means the ultimate love. It means forgiveness. It means hope. Happy Easter, everybody. For the Imamoto family, Easter means that spring is about to explode with new life all around us, reminding us of the power of the resurrection and the new life, the eternal life that we have with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We wish you all a very happy Easter.